thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Hope this message from Good News Company blesses you. Find us on Instagram and Facebook and enjoy the message. Um, we're going to jump straight into it, but tonight, a little preamble, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the unseen realm. I want to talk about, about the spiritual realm, and the reason is, is because since the very beginning of the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul has been talking to us about the spiritual realm. He's been trying to draw our attention to say, guys, church, people of God, I want to remind you, there is more than the physical realm. There is more to you than just your body. Turn to your neighbour and say, nice body, if that's appropriate. Come on, you know you're going to be wild tonight. But then turn to your neighbour and say, but that's not all you are. Come on, tonight I want to tell you, you are more than a body tonight. You're more than the physical. But Paul's trying to draw our attention that there is more than just a physical Realm. There's more to us than just the flesh and bones that we have. The court system knows this. The court system knows this. If you were to go to court today for something that you had done 10 or 30 years ago, you would still get in trouble. Even though science tells us that every 7 to 10 years, every cell in your body replaces, dies or replaces itself with a whole new cell. After 7 to 10 years, depends how many cells you got. Maybe it's close to a decade, but your whole physical body will actually change. So you are not the same physical person as you were 10 years ago. But if you try and do that in court and be like, but judge, that wasn't me. That was was another bunch of cells together. They're going to send you on a sentence because they know that you are more than just your body. We're created in the image of God who is a triune being. And we have a body, we have a soul. And a spirit. And in the same way, there is our physical realm, but there is a spiritual realm as well. And Paul is telling us, guys, you don't need me to draw attention to the physical realm because you know all about that. You experience it every day. But he wants to say, hey, there's something more going on as well. From the very beginning, right, he starts off Ephesians. Our first message was called um, the best seat in the house. And that whole message in Ephesians 1 was all about the fact that we are seated with Christ. We are in Christ, seated in the heavenly realms. We're seated in the heavenly realms. And so he says it from there. And then Paul is constantly trying to remind us, hey, open the eyes of your heart. Right? He, he's constantly telling us that um, you are in the world. You're not of the world. He's telling us you might be sitting at home on your couch, but at the same time, you're also seated in heavenly places. Paul's trying to remind us that we have more than a body. And even though you might have a seat, in Ephesians 1, he starts off talking about you've got a seat in the heavenly realms, but he doesn't leave us there because in Ephesians 6, what we're about to read, he doesn't talk about the seat in the heavenly realms. He talks about the struggle in the heavenly realms. And Paul's telling us this because he knows that there is, there is more going on than what we can see. He knows. He's trying to remind us, draw our attention, that even though we have a seat in the heavenly realms, there's more going on. He knows that without, there, there is no seat that you have without a struggle. Right? He says there is no opportunity without opposition. There is no blessing without a battle. And there is no freedom 
without a fight. And Paul wants to remind us tonight that there is something more going on. So I've titled this message, as you can see, uh, Fight For It. Fight For It. Fight For It. There's a, there's a subtitle coming up later as well. But Paul is trying to tell us in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to get to the scripture in a second. He's about to tell us that, you know what? There is more going on than just this. He's trying to prepare us for the fight that comes hand in hand with our position. Fight for it. Turn to your neighbor and say, fight for it. All right, I'm going to jump in here. It says this in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read eight verses. And I want to land on just one particular verse, but I've got a few comments that I just can't help but say throughout it. The armor of God. Who's heard a message on the armor of God? Maddie and Chris, so nice to see you guys. You look great. Who loves Maddie and Chris? They're awesome. So good to be. I believe every one of us is going to receive something from God tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. It says this, Paul writes, and he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Tonight, I want to tell you that God has a plan for your life. But the enemy, the devil, has a plan for your life the Bible says that he, he, he schemes against us. The enemy, he schemes. He's a strategist. He's been studying his, his, his target for thousands of years. The enemy knows you. And he is scheming to get you. The enemy schemes towards us. And he knows just where to get you at just the right time of day. Right, with just the right thing to show you, just the right feeling to give you. He, he knows his target and the Bible says the enemy schemes against us. See, there it is. <laughs> Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, that's people, but it's against the rulers, against authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, we're not fighting people We're fighting a spirit. And oftentimes you'll be in a conflict with your boss or your mom or your dad or your kid or your husband or your wife, but you're not really fighting against them. There is a spiritual dynamic at play. So you're not fighting against your boss or your co-worker or your government. (laughs) There is a spiritual dynamic there. And, you know, this is one thing I've been convicted of, and I haven't shared this with you yet, but... I mean, we never fight, okay? Never fight. And you and your wife and husband, you guys never fight either. But I want you to realize that when, when you fight, when there's an argument or tension there, the enemy is sneaky. Satan is sneaky. And he wants, Gabe said it this week actually at our life group, he said, the enemy is sneaky. He said, he wants you to, to fight each other, not realizing that he's there. When really we should stand together instead of fighting one another, standing with one another and saying there's obviously a spirit of poverty in our house and we're fighting about money when we should be fighting against the principality of poverty or tension or anger or unforgiveness or whatever it is. There is a spiritual dynamic. And so Paul says, don't forget. Verse 13 says, before are therefore put on. Because of that, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done all that you can to stand, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. How many know truth will hold you together? And with the breastplate of righteousness in place, that's your character. And verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Verse 16 says, in addition to all this, 
Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I'm going to focus on one part of the armor tonight, and it's not this, but I couldn't go past this without saying, I've noticed a little bit too much today in our world, Christians, believers in Jesus, dropping their shield of faith. You have a shield of faith. For example, take this popular topic, COVID, and masks, and regulations, and restrictions, and vaccines. Wherever you stand on this, and I might say some hairy things, if you have any issues, totally you can email me, okay, complaints, it's, my email is at, uh, sorry, se at goodnewscompany.com.au. But wherever you fall on that issue tonight, I'm not a politician, I'm a pastor, so I'm not going to speak to those uh, positions, but I'm going to pass to you for a moment and say wherever you stand on any issue, but let's just take that one because that's what we're all talking about. Whatever you want to do, don't drop your shield of faith. Right? If you're like, I want to wear my mask all the time, I'm going to obey the restrictions, I'm going to get the vaccine, and I'm going to do everything I'm told to do for the sake of whatever your beliefs are, do it. Absolutely. I'm for you. I'm with you. That's great. But don't drop your shield of faith. Don't drop your shield of faith and hide in fear or cower in fear. Remember that this is not just a physical battle we're fighting. There's a spiritual dynamic. And so don't drop your, your shield of faith and say, oh, I'm, I'm afraid I, I, I've got to rely on someone else to protect me. I've got to get this. I'm anxious and all that stuff. When you drop your shield of faith, you just get pinned with the arrows of the enemy that say anxiety, fear, control, all of these things are coming against you. Hold up your shield of faith. Or if you're on the other side and you're like, it's all a hoax. It's not true. They're going on this. I'm not doing that. No way, Jose, whatever. I'm for you. I'm with you. I I love you. You're amazing. But whatever you do, don't drop your shield of faith. And don't be riddled with the arrows of the enemy called anxiety and fear and and someone's out to control me and and it wants to do this or that. You have your belief, but don't drop your shield of faith. I see too many Christians on Facebook at the moment who are riddled with the arrows of the enemy. And whatever side of the camp you stand on with that particular issue... The arrows are all coming from the same direction. They just got different names on them. But the Christians who have a shield of faith, they can hold on to their personal conviction and withstand the arrows of the enemy. Is that okay? Amen? All right. I just have to throw that in there. In addition, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17 is the one I want to focus on. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And just to finish it off and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Praying in the Spirit is part of the armour. A lot of times we forget that one. But I want to focus on verse 17, the first half. Take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. What does the helmet protect? You can say it. Your head. The second title, the subtitle is protect your head. Protect your head. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you're here tonight. And I ask that you would speak to each one of us. And Father, I know that you have something prepared for us tonight. In the name of Jesus. Come on, everyone said? Amen. Everyone said? Amen. Hands up in the space if you've ever been in a fight, like a physical fight. Hands up. Come on. Be real. It's okay. All right. Let's keep our eyes on the second row. There's about four hands. Physical fight. Physical fight. I've never been in a physical fight before. I punched a guy one time. Um, I'll tell you that story. Maybe you've heard it later. Um, This was after I was saved as well. 
Okay, so if you really want to know, you can also ask Essie that. But I've never been in a physical, physical fight. But I remember one time my brother, he, he had a boxing bag in his um, undercover area. And I remember him getting me over as a kid and teaching me how to fight with the boxing bag. Because you know, that's what all the bad guys on the street do. They just stand there and swing. Um, and he's like, Kieran, what you got to do, what, the main thing you want to do is make sure you hold your hands up, right? So, so you can, what, pr- protect your head. He's saying you've got to hold your hands up and, and only one goes out at a time. I think, I don't know, I remember. <laughs> Protect your hair. What was he trying to do? He's trying to prepare me just in case I ever get in a fight. He's trying to prepare me for a fight. You know, in our scripture tonight, Paul in this text, primarily, he's talking about a fight. He's talking about there's a fight on its way. And he uses this kind of strange picture of armour to get us ready to prepare us for a fight. And uh, this picture of armour in our world today is kind of strange, but he's in the New Testament talking, but if he was in the Old Testament, armour wouldn't be that strange of an illustration to use, right? In the Old Testament, it's not PG, guys. Like, it's, it's kind of gory. I'm just looking. Do we have any kids? It should be fine. Okay. There is kids' church, so... I'm not going to be too graphic tonight. But anyway, that was, it's, a bit, it's less of a deal than I'm making it sound. In the Old Testament, there are heaps of battles all the time, right? We always see God's people going up, marching out. We see soldiers and armies and battles and tent pegs. And, and, and we're seeing giants and grasshoppers. And we're seeing all of this crazy stuff going on in the Old Testament. We see Israel, right? God's people. The, the, we are the fruition as the church, but we see God's people, Israel, going out to battle God's enemies all the time. There's always a, a gory battle going on. You see the enemies of Israel. We've got, who do we have? We've got the Hittites, the Girgashites. Come on, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Termites, the Vegemites. That's preacher jokes for you there. We see all these battles going on all the time. But then we get to the New Testament and we kind of see all of that sort of stuff drop off. We don't read any narratives of epic battles. We, we don't see any armies going out to fight. We, we, we don't see any giants getting slayed or, or anything crazy like that. Uh, and so we, we don't see any of that in the New Testament, which is our world today. And it's easy to think, man, has the devil gone to sleep? Ha, ha, has he moved on? Is he still here? Because we're not seeing any of these battles. But Paul's trying to tell us, he's like, The enemy hasn't gone to sleep and he hasn't moved away. He's just changed tactics. Now the the battle isn't in the physical. The battle is now in the spiritual. And you better believe me that there are still armies marching against your life. There are still enemies marching against your finances, your family, your peace, your promises. The enemy is still marching out towards you. Sure, you won't wake up and see a giant standing over your bed trying to attack you or you won't see a crazy king delusional with a spear trying to throw it at you during music practice, right? We're not going to see battles or fights or Samson's crushing temples, but the enemy still marches against your life. He's just changed tactics and he's moved it to the spiritual realm. And so Paul tells us to put on the armour of God because... Point number one, you're in a fight. 
because you're in a fight. I don't even care who you are here tonight. You might be the most Christian person here. Like you've got Bible verses on your door. You know, you've got the footprints in the sand, you know, on your, you know, that's your favourite verse. You might be the most Christian, the most blessed, the most anointed, the most gifted. You might be there, but I'm telling you, every person in this room is in a fight. Every person is in a fight. You're either in a fight or you're about to be in a fight. The enemy is coming against us. And the question there is, where does the enemy attack? Anyone ever read um, Sun Tzu, Art of War? Art of War, great book. Where does the enemy attack? Well, any great enemy, any great army, he will always attack the place that can cause the most damage. The enemy is going to come after you to the place where you can cause, he can cause the most damage. Uh, when you're a kid and you were getting ready to go out with your buddies for a bike ride, you'd get your bikes and, and, and from the kitchen you would hear your, your mum yell out. What would she yell out? Put your helmet on. She's always yelling, put the helmet. She doesn't say, put your knee pads on. She doesn't say, put your elbow pads on. She doesn't say, put your crocs on. She doesn't say, put on your belt. She says, put your helmet on. Because if you hurt your knee, you're probably going to be okay. If you scrape your elbow, you're probably going to be okay. If you fall over and stub your toe and get a cord in the chain, you're probably going to be okay. But your mum knows. If you fall and hit your head, it's game over. Because it can cause the most damage. Because it can cause the most damage. Look at how Paul, in other parts, in 2 Corinthians, look how he tells us to fight. Right? It says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Why? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that means physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down, look at that, pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5, watch this, casting down, what? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself up against the what? Knowledge of God. Taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Cast down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God. I want you to listen to this. The high things that are coming against your life are coming against what you know about God. The enemy is coming against what you know to be true about God. You know you're healed. By his stripes we are healed. It's finished. But the enemy will come and bring symptoms to try and convince you that you're not healed. You know you're free. You know you're free? Did you know you're free tonight? Come on, how do you know you're free in Jesus? You are free. Yet the enemy will come and say, yeah, but remember when you did that last week or last night and you're not free anymore. What are you saying you're free? God can't fix you from that or remind you of something you did eight years ago and you're not free. He will come against what, he know, what you know about God. Look at what the enemy's attacks are called. Let's put verse, uh, verse 5 back on. He says, the enemy's attacks are called imaginations. The enemy's got smoke and mirrors. That was. <laughs> He's coming at you with imaginations, shadows, and, and, and smoke and mirrors, and, 
and, and, and, and surprises that aren't there. And that's why you go to sleep at night. And you wake up tired because you're stressed out over the could be's, what happens if, maybe's, what if they do this, what if that happens, what if I go into lockdown, what if, maybe, you're stressed out over imaginations, things that haven't even happened. The enemy is coming against you. And too often, we allow him in. Point number two is this, the enemy wants to get in your head. You ever had someone get in your head before? I love Hamish and Andy, their podcast. I don't endorse it, but I love the Hamish and Andy podcast. They do this segment where they, are, they get people to call up. And uh, if they're coming up to a big competition, right, or a sports game or something like that, or they're going for a promotion, and there's a, there's a, like a situation coming up, they'll call someone and, and they'll find out who the other person is, who the other team captain is, and they'll, Hamish and Andy will call them and they'll try and rattle them. Try and get in their head, right? And they call them up and they're like, oh, you know, they'll, they'll talk to them about it and then they'll just, right at the last minute, they'll say, you stink, you're not going to win at that game. And then they'll hang up and they'll want to find out, does he get rattled? Did we get in his head? The enemy wants to get in your head. The people laughing, obviously, are the only ones. The enemy wants to get in your head. Pastor Julie, many of you, many of you know Pastor Julie. She is a short woman. <laughs> Just have a drink. <laughs> the enemy... Oh, sorry. Pastor Julie. <laughs> Pastor Julie is a short woman. Yet, she has figured out how to totally control a beast five times her size. A horse. The beast me. She has figured out how to control this animal five times her size. I reckon. <laughs> and she's figured out how to do that because she knows if she can get a bit in the horse's mouth on its head, she can control it. She can jump up on there and say, go left, and the thing will go left. She'll say, pull it right, and the horse will go right. She'll hold up, and it'll do a big you know, snowman river thing. She can go, go forward, and do you do this if you go forward on the horse and push it forward? If you can control the head, you can control the animal. That's what she's worked out. And here's the truth for us, is whoever has your head has you. So whatever thoughts are dominating your head, they've got you. Whatever situation or problem is dominating your mind has you. Whatever it is that is captive, your head has you. And the enemy wants to get you by the head. The enemy wants to get you by the head. We so often, we ask Jesus into our heart, but the battle is for our head. The battle is for our head. And that's why Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation so that Jesus can, can be in control. So Jesus can protect you. So you're not getting pulled left or right by situation or circumstance, but you're being pulled by Jesus. The enemy wants to get you by the head. Why? Because the head speaks of government, right? Head speaks of leadership. It speaks of government. Uh, we have a head of state. Um, many of you at, at one point they call principals now, but we have headmasters. Maybe in your workplace you have a department head. The head speaks of government, and the enemy wants to be the governor of your life. That's his goal. He wants to be the governor of your life. And too often, 
we're in a fight, but we use our heart to fight head battles. We use our feelings to fight when we should fight with facts. When we should be saying, you know what? I feel this way, but that's not what God says about me. I feel this way, but that's not the way it actually is. Tonight, I wanted to remind you that the devil does not care about your feelings. He does not care one little bit if you're tired, too tired to worship. He doesn't care if, you're, if you have no time of day to, to have your quiet time with God. He does not care about your feelings. I think about Jesus in the wilderness, the first fight we see with Jesus, right? The spiritual fight. We see Jesus in the wilderness. It's been 40 days in the wilderness. He's fasting and praying, seeking God. And the Bible says after 40 days, the enemy comes. Note, he doesn't come at the start of the 40 days because he, he knows he has no chance if he got fresh, just freshly baptized, called and appointed Jesus to take care of. There's no way he's taking care of that guy. The enemy comes when Jesus is tired and hungry and walking around this stinking desert for 40 days. Then the enemy comes. Maybe I'll have a chance. And he'll do the same with you, by the way. He's not coming to attack you now in an environment of faith where you just worshipped, you know, where you're hitting the word of God and you're with your brothers and sisters. He's not coming at you now. He's strategic. He'll come Wednesday night, you know, Friday when you're tired. He has an attack on a Sunday morning or Sunday night. He attacks on a Saturday night when you're tired. And when your kid has done the same thing 20th time, 20 minutes, you know, he'll come then. And we see Jesus, but what we don't see is Jesus in his flight, like, oh, devil, I just, do you have to come now? Because, like, I've been in the desert for like 40 days, devil, and I'm hungry. I know, I know, like, your job right now is to tempt me with the bread, but I'm hungry, and I feel like, just, I feel really hungry. So if you could just, could you come back tomorrow? Because the Spirit's got me out of here. Like, I'm out of here tomorrow. So if you're just coming, I'm fresh, I'm ready. You know, maybe come when I'm like healing some people because I'm going to be pumped up for the fight there. The devil, he does not, Jesus does not fight with how he feels in the moment. What does he do? He fights with facts. He says, it is written. I say, this is what I'm feeling. This is what is written. He's saying, what is written is you won't do this and and I won't do that because the Word of God says this. Don't fight with your feelings. You've got to fight with facts that are rooted in faith. Real change doesn't happen when you say, well, I really feel like I'm going to lose some weight this year. Because you'll be December on Christmas Eve and you'll be like, I feel like I should still do this. Real change happens when you say, you know what? I'm not just going to feel this. I'm deciding in faith and rooted in facts that, you know what? I'm going to do this because this is what God says about me. Fight with facts. He's coming against what you know about God. But, but Kieran, I really like him. I just I feel so like... I just really like him, Kieran. He's a good guy, you know, he's cute and handsome. Yeah, that's how you feel. The facts are he broke, his mum does his laundry, right? He, 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 he doesn't come to church, he doesn't take his faith seriously. 
What makes you think he's going to take you seriously? Don't fight with how you feel. But Kira, she's 10 out of 10, bro. She is, she's good looking. And I think I've got, I really feel like, yeah, but the facts are, she's crazy. Okay, so don't, don't, don't rely on your feelings. I was trying to think, what? You know, anyway. <laughs> I couldn't put a reference to someone who wasn't perfect because I'm married to perfect. Hey! <laughs> Ching. <laughs> the facts are. But Kieran, man, I just, I just feel so upset and sad and tired all the time. Like, I feel like I'm depressed. Yeah, but the facts are, you stay up late, right? You don't go to God. You find your satisfaction in other people. You're agreeing with every label and status out there. You're not depressed. You, you feel something, but the facts are that you're chosen, yeah. you're called, you have the joy of the Lord in you, you have peace beyond yeah. all understanding. Kira, I get anxiety all the time. I feel, and I'm not disregarding certain things, like, Kira, I feel scared all the time. I just feel that way. Yeah, but the facts are you watch horror movies that are infecting your brain with images that you're not supposed to see. The enemy has you by the... If I watch this, I will feel better. The pain that I'm feeling, the, the, the hurt that I'm experiencing, if I, if I watch this or do this, I will feel better. But the facts are, it's killing you. You can't fight with feelings. You've got to fight with facts. Um, anytime, anytime you see a head shift or a head change or uh, the more gruesome way to say it, a head come off, you know that there is a change of government. If the head speaks of governance, anytime you see a, a head change, there is a change of governance. First Samuel chapter 3, we see Eli. He is the prophet. He is the man of God. He is the pastor of the church in Israel at this time. And the Bible says in First Samuel, I think, 3, 1 to 3, he says, the, the, the Bible records that there were, in that day, the word of the Lord was rare. And at this time, Sam, um, sorry, Eli, he's the prophet. He's receiving the word. But it says the word of the Lord was rare and there was not many visions. And then it says that Eli talks about the fact that his eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see. So here we see a leader who is losing his head. He had no vision. He could barely see. His head was failing at the very same time, uncoincidentally. Isn't that great? It's worried about that. At the very same time, Eli's sons are running a muck through the church. Right? He, they are getting with all the girls. They are eating food they're not supposed to eat. Their Bible calls them scoundrels. And there's no wonder why. Because Eli, as the leader, he's supposed to control them. But he is a leader that is trying to lead out of his heart. But they're my sons. I don't want to discipline them. And this and that. And he is leading out of his feeling. And not out of his head. And his head is failing. We see a headless leadership in place. And one day, Eli, he's chilling on his rocking chair. And he hears some bad news about a battle. And the bad news causes him to freak out. He rocks all the way back. And then tips over and falls off his chair. And of all the things he could break, the Bible says that he breaks his neck. 
In other words, his head comes off. And from that moment on, we see Samuel, his apprentice, rise in influence, rise to power and begins to lead. Anytime you see a head come off or a head change, there is a change in governance. I'll get the keys back. We see the head come off. It's a shift in authority. That's why you've got to put on the helmet of salvation. David is just a young boy. He rolls up to the battlefield and there's a fight already in progress. He rolls up there and the, the, the Israelites and the Philistines have been facing off already for days, but there's been no actual fighting, but the Philistines are already winning through intimidation. And David rolls up. He's just a small boy and he sees a giant. And what does he do? He goes to the stream to get some small stones and he goes to face off against the giant. Now, David is small. But remember, a small thing can control a big thing if it gets it by the... And so we see David do a double tap on Goliath. He flings the stone, it hits him in the head, and then he runs over and chops his head off. And from that moment on, the Israelites win the battle. Put on the helmet of salvation and protect your head. John was a great preacher. He would be out in the wilderness and he didn't been studying the start of Matthew, but he, he didn't have a crowd, he, sorry, he didn't have a nice building or environment, but he was doing so well, his preaching was just phenomenal, and he'd be out in the crowd, and he's preaching to thousands, he's just preaching, 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 but his whole message is this, his whole message is, there's someone else coming, there's going to be a change here, there's going to be a shift happening, he must increase, I must decrease, there is another coming, I'm unworthy to tie the sandals and there's a change coming. There's a shift coming. That's his whole preach. It's like me saying, okay, guys, I'm going to preach to you for 30 minutes about the next preacher that's coming. And when does that shift happen? The shift happens when John the Baptist is taken by Herod and beheaded. And all of a sudden, there is a new authority in the world, and that's Jesus. And he starts dominating and that's when his ministry really begins to ramp up. There is a change of authority because they head changed. Put on the helmet of salvation and protect your head. Jesus, by this time, sorry, three years later, he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He arrives in Jerusalem and they arrest him. You know the story. And Pilate at the time, he's the governor, he, he is looking at Jesus and he gives him the cross. He is sentenced to be crucified outside the city and Pilate writes a sign and puts it on the cross and says to Jesus, I'm sorry, he says about Jesus, this is the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. This is the king, the head of the Jews. This is the head of the Jews. The leader of the Jews. This is the head of the Jews. And we see Jesus carry this cross with this sign to the place outside the city called Golgotha, which means the skull. So we see a head coming to another head. And when heads get together, powerful things happen. And it was in that place, on the, on the head, on the mountain called the skull, where the head of the world, the head of the people died for humanity. And it was in that place the authority shifted. And Jesus says, it is finished. It is finished. We'll get the band back in a second. We're just going to worship. It is finished. We see Jesus coming back to life three days later and he ascends to heaven but before he does he gives instructions to 
the brand new about to start church. And they're in fear, they're scared, they're in hiding. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they're in an upper room hiding, they're fasting, they're praying, and they're seeking God. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that there is a sound. They heard a sound with their, their ears. And then it says they, they saw with their eyes what seemed to be tons of fire that, that landed on every person's head. And then it says they began to speak. They began to speak in other tongues with their mouth, which is on their head. And we see all of a sudden the authority shift from they are fearful and hiding and on the run to Peter standing up and declaring and seeing thousands get saved. Protect your head. I don't know if the devil's in your head tonight. I don't know if thoughts are pervading your mind. But Jesus has given us a helmet of salvation. He said, you know what? I uncovered you. Would you give me the governance of your life? Are you letting anything into your eyes? Are you letting anything into your ears that has given the enemy a stronghold, a foothold in your life? You've got to watch what you watch because the enemy will come and try and get you by the head. I'm so thankful that we see Jesus who came and totally changed the game. Totally taken the authority off the enemy. Taken it for himself and dispersing it amongst his church. We're going to stand here in this place and we're going to worship. And how awesome are these songs that we picked tonight? Smoke and mirrors and every victory is yours. We didn't talk about, hey, I'm going to do this message. You're going to do these songs. It was five minutes before service. And I'm like, oh, this is a great service. Because I really feel like God says, there are people in this room who are in a fight and nobody knows it. Right? Because it's in the spiritual. And you look great tonight, by the way. And you look dressed, you look happy, you look great. But the battle isn't in the physical. The battle is in the spiritual. And some of you are facing a spiritual battle. You might have no physical money, but the problem isn't that you don't have money. The problem is a spirit of poverty or a, or a spirit of lack. Or, 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 or you might feel sick in your body, but that's not a physical thing. It starts with a spiritual thing. Goliath was an intimidation. He was a problem. And David took him by the head. And every problem, it's going to help someone, any problem you have has a head. Yeah. Every issue, every pain, every insecurity has a head. Don't bother doing body shots on it. Don't bother fighting with that person about what they said now. That's a body shot. There might be unforgiveness in the past. Find the head. Attack the head. Cut off the head of the problem. Because every problem has a head. Find it. Or let God find it. In a second, I'm going to pray. And when I finish praying, this this is perfect message to do. I came to serve notice on the devil tonight and to apologize to the Master Chief. And that is, is that the fight is already finished. Come on, that's the last point I want to leave you with tonight. You're in a fight. You're in a fight every day. But I want to tell you tonight, the fight is already finished. The fight is already finished. It's done. It's over. The fight is already finished. I love. We're going to be down here in a second. The plane is on its way down. I love in Genesis chapter 3. All oh, this is exciting. There's a spoiler. 
to the story in Genesis chapter 3. We're talking about protect the head, head is authority. I love it. In, in, um, in Genesis chapter 3, it says this. Uh, it talks about the fact, chapter 3 verse 15, it talks about the devil and the Son of Man, that's, that's Jesus and everyone that comes in under Jesus. It says that the heel, the snake, will strike the heel. That's part of the fight. But then it says, but he, the Son of Man, will crush his head. Wow. Wow. I came here to tell you tonight that the facts are you are free. The facts are you are forgiven. The facts are you are set apart. You are healed. You have a future. You are whole. You are happy. You are saved. You are sanctified. You are filled with the Spirit. And He has already finished the fight. So you don't have to strive. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to do anything. Because we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We don't fight from weakness. We fight with strength tonight. As you finish Ephesians, I want you to leave this place tonight and remember to fight for it. And remember that the battle, the fight, is already finished. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for the last six weeks. We're excited about what you got coming up. And Heavenly Father, I thank you that people are free tonight. In Jesus' name. Come on, say amen.